Uh, you're back here on Mining Stock Daily. Trevor Hall sitting in with Heliostar Metals and CEO Mr. Charles Funk. Heliostar trades on the TSX Venture with HSTR and on the OTCQX with HSTXF. Uh, Charles, you, you put out news last week regarding a $3 million non-brokered private placement. This financing is kind of unique because you've structured the warrants in these units, uh, I guess I might say cre- created, creatively. I've never seen something like this. I, maybe, you know, I think EMX maybe did something similar a few months back, but this is, this is quite unique. Can, can you explain to us this warrant situation here? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you have to be innovative in, in our space, particularly in markets like this. And we think this serves a purpose for us and investors really clearly in that we're heading back up to drill at Unger um, in the summer mm-hmm. where we got great results last year. Um, and in the big picture, we want to do follow up all these open gold intercepts we have and then deliver a resource. And so it works for our investors, and we're lucky, you know, even though markets are pretty tough, we've got some very supportive shareholders where it gives them incentive with a full warrant for six months at 50 cents. And so if we hit on these drill holes and have success, um, that allows us just to continue the program on and roll into that resource program with this funding. It would bring in 8 million Canadian on those terms. But if we don't exercise that warrant in the first six months, it converts to a 75 cent half warrant for another 18 months. So that would just be your more traditional warrant structure. So we reward our shareholders for coming in and taking the risk now. We provide the continuation funding and I'll talk to you about year round expiration in a second. And then if for some reason that doesn't work, if the market stays soft or we don't deliver the results we think we can deliver, then we don't create a massive overhang on our stock. So I think it's a mutually beneficial structure, but it is, you're right, it's a bit different and maybe it should work for some more groups. Can you kind of describe to me those conversations with putting these terms together? I mean, I, who do you, who gets the credit for this, for this, you know, agreement, you know, what was the conversation like with management and the board to get this and ultimately why does it make such great sense? And I, this maybe becomes a trend. That's, um, I, I, people only get credit if it works. <laughs> so we'll wait and see. <laughs> um, no, it just it came out of organic conversations. The way I've built financings in the past is I've always built those core lead orders myself or through our network as a company. Um, mm-hmm. And as I touched on, we're lucky that you know our board members and and some really close shareholders are very supportive. So. You know, you have them at one end saying, well, why would we take a warrant at all? And then you have other guys at the other end saying, well, you've got to make this attractive. The market's horrible. And so you look at your future game plan. And as I said, our game plan is to drill off a million ounce resource targeting by the end of next year. And so, you know, you're going to need another funding step. So this potentially builds that in. So it's an organic conversation between um, your core supporters and, and more generalist capital that you're looking to attract. Uh, tell me about the budget for this $3 million. Obviously, it seems like a majority is going to go towards UNGA. So what's in store for the expiration work after this closes? Yeah, so the key breakthrough that we think we now, you know, it takes time to learn how to operate a project like UNGA. UNGA's out in the Alaska Peninsula. Um, and so we've been there for two seasons now. Heliostar's only a bit, I mean, just short of two years old. And I think we're comfortable saying we know how to operate well up there. 
And so we could already operate for nine months of the year, given that it's so temperate. You know, remind everyone, think weather like Seattle, not Alaska like they normally think. (laughs) And so by building some permanent infrastructure, by upgrading the roads that are there, by removing the helicopter, we think we can turn it into a year-round project and reduce our costs by about 30%, which is more metres for the same dollars. So that's a pretty big step forward for us. Um, It means, you know, we were doing quite well last year, but we came to the end of the program. People know we're not coming back for four or five months um, and you lose that momentum. So A, it removes that. Um, B, we've got multiple open gold intercepts to follow up. We don't have a set number of meters because we're starting with an RC rig and, you know, some days you can drill a lot, some days you can drill a little less, but we'll definitely be drilling at least 2,000 meters on Centennial. Um, Centennial was the target that we didn't get to last year. Um, Flat-lying blanket of gold, 200,000 ounces at 1.3 grams. But flat-lying blankets of gold on surface don't magically get there. Something has to bring the gold up to those layers. And we've got some evidence and some mapping work we've done, some geophysics that gives us high confidence in where those structures are. And there's a couple of old angle drill holes that hit some high-grade material. So really excited to get there and find what might be the high-grade feeders to these zones. We know we're going to hit gold. The question is how much and how much can we grow that old resource by? So this this budget after this financing is really towards adding ounces, making new discoveries. Does that does this also get you to that resource or do you need those warrants to come in? to fund the resource estimate? No, we think there's another step then of another sort of 10 odd million dollars um, to go and deliver that resource. And that's why we built the warrant structure like we did. And importantly, this time we don't have to stop. If we get good news, we get momentum, we can just roll on and deliver that resource. So that's the combination of the why we've designed the field program the way we have in conjunction with the warrants. Okay, very good. Uh, so when do you expect to get back on the ground there? When When's things going to get rolling? Uh, so we'll be heading back up there in late July. Um, we're not sure whether the rig will be there late July or, or into August. We're just finalizing that at the moment. Um, but yeah, we were there a couple of weeks ago um, and we'll be back up there shortly getting rolling. Is is getting the the equipment and, and the workforce up there, uh, you know, booking those rigs and the drillers, is it kind of loosening up is it easier to kind of grab those guys and equipment now than it was say last year yeah it's definitely got easier in fact the, the reason we have a rig is because we committed to it in january so everything was so hot you couldn't get the equipment but um in the current conditions rigs people have become more easy to get and given us a lot more flexibility to react in this program you had mentioned about reducing your costs by removing the helicopter and and and, and a lot of that stuff in trying to get going year round. Uh, can you open that up for us? And, you know, what exactly does that mean? What needs to happen to go year round exploration and reduce those costs? Yeah, I think so, that's really interesting. Yeah. So part of it's just our learning to operate. You know, anytime you go somewhere new, you have to learn the land, yeah. land, build the relationships, have people's confidence that you do what you say you do. Um, and we feel very grateful to be in the community of Sandpoint now. We know a lot of people there. We've employed a number of people. So we're building lasting relationships. And that gives them the confidence that when we say, look, we're going to fix up this road, we're going to build a permanent camp, they're like, great, we know how you guys operate and we're very happy with you. And so that's that 
you know, continuity of work over a couple of years has been very important. But what we worked out even early days on this project is it's not an expensive project to operate. You know, we can buy our fuel locally. We can stay in an Airbnb. There's a supermarket. There's cafes. This is not remote Alaska. Um, it's mobilization that is expensive. And so to make our mobilizations cheaper, we were doing bigger programs, three, four rig drill programs. Well, once we've got the permanent infrastructure in, we don't have to drink from the fire hose, so to speak. Smaller amounts of expenditure can get you a lot more meters because you're not paying for someone to go in, set up camp, all those support costs. So um, it's, it's about trying to give ourselves enough time to close the feedback loop. If you imagine when you're spending $2 million a month, if you have three rigs running and you're super busy, you need time to submit those results, get the assay results back, plan the next holes, do the capital raise. Um, the way I've been successful in epithermals before is you create this momentum. And so we were working so quickly to make our project efficient, we could never quite close the loop. And this way, I think we can work a bit more methodically, a little more, you know, with less rigs and still do it, um, do it economically and allow that momentum to build and build because we had it last year, but we lost it due to the seasonality. And this fundamentally changes that for us. How are community relations between the UNGA project, Heliostar, and the local community there? Yeah, I, um, I've talked to a few people about this lately. I hate when mining CEOs say, oh, we have great community relationships, because what does that mean? Um, the most important thing from our perspective and I kind of joke as an Australian from a farming background turning up in maritime Alaska, promising <laughs> projects of gold. You know, you're like, there's a complete disconnect at the start. Right, right, right. But, you know, we, we have a, a great community relations person in Joy Huntington. Um, and Joy, Sam, our VPX and myself committed that twice a year, no matter what, we were going to come have a community meeting, talk to everyone, explain what was happening, whether things were going well or whether things were going poorly. And at the start, that's a lot of introductions explaining the duality of mining exploration that's both extreme optimism and upside and the reality that it's hard, difficult, you know, you're not making money. And we were up there three weeks ago to catch up with everyone to do the preliminary work at Centennial. And the relationships had evolved to the point where they're really, you know, they're catch-up conversations with friends and people that you've been working with. So we're really lucky to be in the Sandpoint community. The Unger and Schumigan bands are they're very knowledgeable, very supportive bands. Um, we have a mix of our own private land and agreements um, for the project. And we couldn't be happier to be in Sandpoint. There's a great and strongly supportive community there. Well, and it's, it seems like that history, that mining history still lives fairly strong with, with a lot of those individuals that have spent a lot of their life there. Exactly. In fact, the town of Unger, so there's our projects on two islands for people who don't know it, on Unger Island and Popov Island. Um, they're big islands, surprisingly big um, for people's perspective. There, um, there was a, Alaska's first underground gold mine on Unger, and there was a town that um, people lived in until 1969, where the last people left the town of Unger and migrated over to Sand Point. So effectively, that was predominantly losing the gold mine, but it was also a shallow fishing port. So people in the local community understand what it's like to lose economies because you lose towns and you lose your basis for existence on the back of that. So there is a very mature understanding of needing more than one industry. And so fishing isn't as strong as it has been at the moment. So 
um, you know, we have to do all the right things and do everything properly as we have been and we plan to. But there's a very fundamental understanding of, of economic diversity at Sandpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got two final questions for you. And um, actually, first one, I want to get your sense of this uh, financing window that appears to have opened up. I was kind of curious, and I had written about it in the uh, Substack the last couple of weeks that we had started to see financings kind of pop up. And I was kind of curious if we see more and more despite just this abysmal market we're in. Um, you know, th- it feels like the investor has a little bit more leverage in the financing now. And so I'm curious if you agree with that. And also, um, you know, the challenges of financing right now when when a lot of companies are hitting, you know, uh, 52-week lows, and if, if not more. It's it's a really hard, hard from from the company management perspective because you know some of the reason your share price is down is the decisions you've taken as a company, and the other are macroeconomic decisions, and so you know the appetite for risk across the board, if I forget just gold mining, is is significantly lower, um, and then whether you drill or have success, whether you whether you've spent whether you've got enough money for the next program, all feeds into what point you're raising at. And so you look backwards saying, I wish my share price was here, here or here. Um, And I wish I'd taken different decisions. I might be in a different situation. But the reality is you present your business case as it is today. And so for us, we have a 10 million market cap. We have five open economic gold intercepts across the property. We think we have the potential for an eight gram plus multi-million ounce resource. We know that all of the big ones of those have transacted for a billion dollars. You know, if you look at Predium, Great Bear, Dalradian, Continental, the size of those prizes is massive. And so I look at myself as a CEO and say, if I can't make people money from a 10 million market cap, I shouldn't be in the industry. And I have a choice about whether I wait and do nothing for a period of time or whether we sensibly move forward. You know, we don't open the taps right up and, and, and try and spend $10 million but we continually move our project forward. Um, and we think that's the sensible pathway. And I think we've got a really clear business case, hence the support we found for our financing. Uh, uh, yeah, well, well stated there, Charles. Uh, my, my final question actually uh, has nothing to do with Heliostar. It actually has to do with a former project that you uh, were involved in, and that was the Panuco project down uh, in Mexico. Uh, we... Uh, we had uh, we had Visla Silver Michael Connert on earlier this week. We were talking about that Copala hit. Uh, Craig Perry called it uh, discovery of a lifetime for him. Uh, chairman of the company, I thought it'd be. I'm just kind of curious about getting your sense here. I, like, <laughs> I know you had good reason to leave, but that's a hell of a hit. Well, first of all, I'm still a director of Vizsla, so I have very, very <laughs> much invested interest. Um, I, I, only reason I stepped back from Vizsla was because of Heliostar. I'm, I'm very right, proud right. of the team and, and what they've achieved down there and what they continue to achieve. Um, Panuco is a special project. You know, for when, we, when we made that discovery, we had no idea it was going to grow into the monster that it's growing into. It's, it's high grade, it's wide, it's going to become a very substantial district. Um, there's these sub-vertical veins, there's these flat-lying veins. We knew they existed. We hoped one day we'd find one, and Kapala's proving to be an incredible part of that story. Um, it speaks to this market when you can be putting out results like that, and, and the market yawns. I, I don't think the market will sleep on on projects like 
Unger or Panuko over the next six months if they continue to live in news like that. Yeah. How do you, how do you kind of wade through this market? I mean, put on your investor shoes here. Uh, do you, can we go lower? I mean, we can always go lower, but you know, this sentiment's obviously terrible right now. I mean, usually see times like these when we start seeing a rebound. So as, as an investor, um, you're looking for it's changes in circumstances that drive sentiment. And so I think, you know, there's been, there's been uncertainty about whether the Fed's going to drive fully to fight inflation or, and push the economy into recession or whether it's going to back off and try and look after the economy at the cost of, of not fighting inflation. And so until people see that certainty come back, I think they're going to be reticent um, to put cash back into the market. And so from my perspective, I think, the, I think to a large degree a recession has been priced in. And so any change from that or any sense that it's not a long recession is probably positive for investors. It's pretty hard to get lower sentiment. I think the gold miners bullish index is at a, a 12-month low. Um, typically, it outperforms after that. And last time it did that, there was 30% outperformance of the GDX. So my suspicion is it'll be a quiet summer, but I think the smart money will start to is starting to move in, hence the financing window that you're talking about. But it's cautious smart money. All right. Charles, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, good luck with the closing this financing so we can get things moving well underway up in Alaska. So next time we'll, we'll catch up with you uh, probably next couple of weeks or month. Perfect. Thanks, Trevor. Thank you, everyone. That's Charles Funk from Heliostar Metals. Again, trading on the TSX Venture with HSTR and on the OTCQX with HSTXF. I will end by saying they are a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, we'll be back more here on Mining Stock Daily. Stay tuned. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.